So Robin, today's show is about the future of the game industry. Yes, very exciting. Very excited. Mm -hmm. And as you may remember, last week we had Kanal Patel on our show. Right. What a great guest. Yes. So much fun. Very Mm -hmm. He is the founder of Orlando Game Space, Indianomicon, and other game-inspired events. And uh, he has organized so much stuff in Central Florida. He is an icon, and people should all know who Kunal Patel is. Mm-hmm. Um, we are building on this industry and bringing more awareness to the future of the gaming industry. And we want to know what is that going to be like? So to start off, Robin went and interviewed people on the street and we asked three key questions. Robin, what was the question? The question was, what was the first video game you have ever played? Hmm. So we're going to take a pause so that we can hear what those answers were. So the first game I ever played was Super Mario Brothers for the Nintendo Entertainment System. It was called Arkanoid. It was like a bricks game with paddle and you had to uh, move the the paddle along the bottom and the ball bounced up and down. I think there was a, a, a arcade version of it later, I don't know what it was called. So I'm pretty sure it was the original Super Mario Brothers on the Nintendo Entertainment Center. Probably Pokemon Blue on the Game Boy Color. Probably Pokemon Stadium on Nintendo 64. So the first game I think was a hand-me-down uh atari 2400 game it was something called it was a game called robotron 2084 mm-hmm. and you were just this i i guess a robot or something in the middle or a guy wearing a suit and there is an onslaught of of you know robots and other things that probably exist in the year 2084 uh coming at you and you would just have to like shoot them to to save yourself mm-hmm. um so it was just this on it was it was almost like asteroids or something like that, where it just keeps progressively getting tougher, 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 tougher. Um, So that game is probably the first one that I can remember. All right. So Robin, we have a guest with us today, right? We do. Who is it? Mr. Yoda. (gasps) Mr. Yoda. He is inspiring here our show. So uh, we hope our guests uh, enjoy it. And Mm -hmm. this great uh, screen behind us, is compliments of intern pursuit game and this is our movie poster and you can play our game and play with either breezy or delvin in the game and those are the aliens that you're working to get rid of okay all right and oh just a special shout out the music that opens and closes our show and transitions it is also from the game and it was uh created by sophie lloyd Oh, she was a high school student when she did that. Oh, wow. That's very impressive. It is. All right. So, Robin, go ahead and kick us off and let's get started with the history. Well, wait a minute. What was the first game you ever played? Um, The first game I ever played was probably like Mario Kart, Mm. the racing um, game with, you know, you have to get the coins and dodge the banana peels that I think it was definitely that one. So yeah, as I can remember. I have to think about what was the first game I played, and I guess it was probably actually in reality, um, probably Mario. Mm-hmm. Yeah, as I well. would say it was yeah. probably Mario. But you know, I played a lot of other games, and the character that I put on most of my my things that are game related are Lara Croft. I oh, okay. liked it because she was all about business and she kicked ass. 
Yeah, I like that. Nice. All right, so let's start with the history <laughs> of the game industry. Yeah, so before we get into the future of the game industry, um, we'll look at the history. This way we'll have a proper background. Okay. I like that. So um, although video games are found today in homes worldwide, they actually got their start in research labs of scientists, believe it or not. Um, and you know 19- what? They're all nerds and they love playing games. Yes. I bet. And they- <laughs> And look at how far it's come. Mm-hmm. Um, in 1952, British professor A.S. Douglas created OXO, also known as Knots and Crosses, or as most people would refer to it today as Tic-Tac-Toe, as part of his doctoral dissertation for research on human-computer interactions at the uh, University of Cambridge. That's interesting. Tic-Tac-Toe. Yeah. I did not know that it even had this other name, Knots. And crosses. Yeah, perhaps it's like leave it for the British to make that, it like sound so cool. Exactly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so proper. And then in 1958, William uh, Higginbotham created Tennis for Two on a large analog computer and connected oscilloscope screen, or excuse me, a oscilloscope screen for the annual visitors' day at the Brookhaven National Laboratory in Upton, New York. Hmm. So we were playing table tennis for two in case you couldn't play it in person. Mm-hmm. I like that too. Okay. Yes. And then followed um, that in 1962, <clears throat> Steve Russell at the Massachusetts Institute of Technology invented Space War, a computer-based space uh, combat video game for the PDP-1 or Program Data Processor 1, which at the time <laughs> was a cutting-edge computer mostly found at universities. It was the first video game that could be played on multiple computer installations, so that was Space War. <laughs> okay, he's way, too fun. <laughs> he's way too fun to have on our show. We're yes. going to have to make him go sit across the table from us and Hope he doesn't stick his tongue out at us. Go take a break. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. He's taking a break. (laughs) And then in 1967, developers at Sanders Associates, Inc., led by Ralph Baer, invented a prototype multiplayer multi-program video game system that could be played on a television. It was known as the Brown Box. This was like the first at-home game console that was invented. I'm going to tell you, I took this programming (laughs) class um, over at Full Sail. I mean, I did try. I, I can't say I completed it, but I tried yeah. it. And the first thing that they had me do was um, code a box. And then there were these little particles that were inside of it, and they would bounce around inside. Okay. And when I'm hearing this, the brown box, it makes me think of that same thing because yeah. it was just about particles and making them move around, kind of like a pinball machine, if you think of it that way. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe that's what it was. <laughs> Perhaps. Um, and then in 1977, Atari released the Atari 2600, also known as um, the video computer system, which was a home console that featured joysticks and interchangeable game cartridges that played multicolored games, effectively kicking off the second generation of the video game console. The video game industry had some notable milestones in the late 1970s and early 1980s, such as the releases of the Space Invaders arcade game in 1978, the launch of Activision, which was the first third-party game developer, which developed a software without making consoles or arcade cabinets, and that was in 1979. Other popular games that emerged include Japan's hugely popular Pac-Man. Pac-Man. 
yes. Uh, Nintendo's creation of Donkey Kong, Mario, and Flight Simulator games. Hmm, that's interesting. I, you know what? I thought it was Mario. I actually think it was Pac-Man. I think that was the game I played. Mario was the first one. Yeah. Yeah, I think it was because when I'm, you know, hearing you share this, the history of it, I went, mm-hmm. no, it really was Pac-Man. And then I went and I played Mario. So, yeah. yeah. Um, so then in um, 1983, the North American video game industry experienced a major crash due to a number of factors, including an oversaturated game console market, competition from computer gaming, and a surplus of overhyped low-quality games, such as the infamous E.T. and its Atari game based on the eponymous movie and often considered the worst game ever created. Oh, wow. Yeah. Poor Atari. But E.T., I I mean, E.T., everybody loves E.T. Yeah. He's kind of like Yoda. I mean, you know, he's cute and... No, cuddly. Yeah, who wouldn't like that? I know. Um, the video game home industry began to recover in 1985, though, when Nintendo Entertainment System, called Famicom in Japan, came to the United States. The NES had improved 8-bit graphics, colors, sound, and gameplay over previous consoles. Nintendo was a Japanese company it began as a playing card manufacturer in, ni- in sorry, 1889, released a number of important video 1889? games. 1889? Yes. <laughs> That's crazy. Uh-huh. Are you sure about that? I am sure, yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, they released a number of important video game franchises still around today, such as Mario Bros., The Legend of Zelda, and Metroid. Yeah, see, it's their a playing card manufacturer. So in 1889, okay. that's more believable. <laughs> I guess so, yeah. Yes. Um, Even still, I mean, that just sounds like so far back. I, that's amazing. Keep going, Robin. Yes. Wow me with this information. Then in 1989, Nintendo made waves again by popularizing handheld gaming with the release of its 8-bit Game Boy video game device and the often bundled game Tetris. Over the next 25 years, Nintendo would release a number of successful um, successors to the Game Boy, including the Game Boy Color in 1998 and the Nintendo DS in 2004, as well as Nintendo 3DS in 2011. After this era of time, we were introduced to the rise of 3D gaming. The most prominent companies during this time of the late 90s and early 2000s were Sony, Nintendo and Sega. Oh wow. Mm-hmm. Nobody even hears about Sega anymore. I know. That's like so long ago. Yes. Yeah. At least Sony, people know that brand. Right. One of the first and most popular games on the computer was Solitaire. Did I you... love Solitaire. Yeah. Right. I play that all the time. It's a great time passer, yes. Um, but Jeweled followed that, and Sonic the Hedgehog was released by the company Sega in 1991. Westwood Studios' video game, Dune 2, was released in 1992. Mortal Kombat was a video game released that prompted the start of video game violence controversy in which there was actually U.S. Senate hearings due to bloodshed in the game. So that was the first time we ever heard about, you know, there being issues with the video game violence. Um, 
So that was ever since the early 90s. And then in 1995, Sony released a PlayStation selling for $100 less than their top competitor, Sega Saturn, which was a game console as well. Other popular video game releases of the 1990s were Tomb Raider, Legend of Zelda, Ocarina of Time, and EverQuest. Tomb Raider. That's the one. Lara Croft. I love the movie. I love the game. So mm -hmm. I'm going to say that one is uh, another one of my real favorites. Did you ever play any of those games that were you just mentioned? Um, Pretty sure you weren't born then, but... No, I... I've heard of Legend of Zelda. Um, I may have played that before like with some friends, but I didn't own that game in particular. Mm. Yeah, I've definitely heard of all of them, you know. But yeah, they weren't, I wasn't born yet. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I knew that. <laughs> um, a popular game of the early 2000s was Sims, which I did play that one. Um, okay, I've never played that one. So did you okay. like it? It was interesting. It was like you would create these characters and you could like, you know, control their lives and like, you know, live out their lives for them. It was just mm. like a simulation game. Like you could just create different, you know, realities or lifestyles. For that sounds interesting. Characters. Yeah, a different type of uh, video game. Um, as well as Microsoft releasing Xbox game consoles. Uh, Nintendo released the Nintendo DS handhold console in 2004 with their popular game Super Mario Kart DS. Microsoft's Xbox 360, Nintendo Wii, Nintendo Switch were also very popular game souls that were created. Did you play with the Wii? Oh, I did, yes. Really? Uh-huh. I've never had, I don't even know that. anybody that actually had that type of a game and used it. I, I, mm -hmm. Do you even know if they're still around? Oh, yeah. I mean, I know. I don't think you know, they make them. Oh, I'm sure they don't make new ones, but I know it's mm -hmm. like, you know, there's that wave when they first came out. Yeah. I remember all of my friends got one. My sister and I, we both had one. It was like so many kids had it, you know, so it was like the new trend for everyone to get one. So yeah. I'm sure they don't make new ones anymore. But No. As a matter of fact, while you're you're sharing this, I'm going to go look this up and see if we is still a working yeah, game. For hmm. sure. Go ahead. Um, so then by 2009, started popular video games on social media platforms, as well as games that could be played on the iPhone, for example, games like Farmville on Facebook or Angry Birds on the Apple iPhones. Um, I remember when everyone used to um, talk about Angry Birds and playing that game. <laughs> I know. I have played that game and it is very popular still. Yeah, still, it is popular. I did not know. I that. am going to tell you, yeah. I, well, yeah. I think kids like it a lot, mm -hmm. but um, it, you know, it's popular and you get yeah. to shoot birds across the sky and it's you know, funny. whatever. Yeah. Actually, it, apparently the Wii um, still has some play left in it, is what it says. Uh, oh, yeah. really? Did it's you It's still around. I sure did. Pulled mm -hmm. it up here. Yeah. It's still not dead. 2019. Yeah, I'm sure they could still find it. Well, a way it's made by Nintendo, though. Yeah, well, they're, you know, they're, they're popular, popular, successful. Yeah. Um, well, that's interesting now. Keep mm -hmm. going. Wow me with yes. more info. So, um, in the later 2010s, up until today's time of 2020, there were popular video games such as Minecraft, Pokemon Go, which was using augmented reality. Did you play Pokemon? Cool. Um, did you collect them? The original? I did not. 
I wasn't, I didn't do that. I had a lot of friends that did that though. Mm -hmm. I remember that time in like elementary school, Mm -hmm. the kids would trade the cards and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Kids like that a lot. Yes. Um, And it was so cool that they came out with the Pokemon Go's like, you would literally take your phone and see, it was almost like the virtual reality yeah. thing, you know, like they said, the augmented reality. Um, other games include, like we said, like we mentioned, Angry Birds and Fortnite. These are only a few of the most popular games over the last 10 years. Wow, that's so hard to believe. Yeah. 10 years and listen to all of the games that you listed out mm-hmm. and thinking about them over that 10 year span, that's 2000 to 2010 that's quite a bit that's a big achievement well yeah you know prior to 2000 but anyway right okay so so. let's take a quick break as we go back to the streets to hear people's responses to our second question all right what is it what's the biggest evolution you have seen in video gaming so far so i've seen a lot uh i've seen this move from 2d to 3d but for me, the most impactful one was probably when we started doing like full PBR textures. I would say is that um, gaming has enabled other industries such as film. Um, so it, I think gaming as a ubiquitous term is, is gone now. Um, we now have real-time graphics. Gaming, what's a game, right? I think the, great, the biggest innovation currently is a tie between ray tracing and modern consoles and probably the inclusion of solid state drives into something like the PlayStation 5. The biggest evolution I think is mocap and probably ray tracing too. The, I'd say in the gaming industry, the latest greatest innovation I've seen so far is probably how augmented reality be used to create game experiences. I don't think we've created the game experience yet, but I've seen a lot of great prototypes and advancements on how AR will be used to create a new game experience. So Robin, what is the biggest innovation that you've seen in video gaming? I would say um, definitely the, um, like the advancement of technology so that they can develop things like the virtual reality. Virtual reality. Definitely. That's got to be the, Thing augmented seen. reality too a, yeah yeah i've seen those now i've experienced some of that where um some of my classmates from starter studio mm-hmm. they were creating uh vr games and so when one of the downsides of playing with vr is that the goggles are super heavy oh right i would imagine yeah, yeah. and then you're like <laughs> you know you have the hand the whatever the handheld things that you're doing and you're like punching things and everybody mm-hmm. is like all around you and it's kind of like watching somebody that's drunk I think <laughs> yeah. yeah like stay away from that like someone that's blindfolded <laughs> the pinata or something exactly. like stay away from them exactly <laughs> so that's one of the things but the augmented reality that was really interesting too um I'm going to talk about the things that I've seen at ITSEC I know I mentioned them with um Pinal's episode yes. mm-hmm. but at ITSEC the military has the most money that they can spend on really incredible virtual reality experiences as well as the augmented oh I but, didn't know that oh my god yeah. they, of course you're training the people that are going to protect your country so well, yeah they they that. learn how to fly helicopters oh, okay. they learn how to like um do surgeries one of the things that, that I also saw there was um 
the ability to have mannequins that looked like they were real, mm -hmm. honest to goodness. And they're like spurting blood. And I mean, that's, that's as close to a reality that you can get where it's, it's not necessarily, mm -hmm. it's not virtual reality, but you know, they're, they're playing around with a lot of the um, ways to teach people things. And so some of it was about how to do surgery and some of it was how to do, even with animals, they had lifelike looking animals that had been hurt in a war setting oh. to help train the military with how to handle emergency, anything that could be a health related issue. Okay. But the other thing that they had was really cool um, technology where you could go in there and you, you were feeling like you were bouncing on the moon. Wow. There was like the feeling of being weightless in the room. And that was incredible. So we're going to go and fast forward to the roots of the gaming industry, which started around like we were saying earlier, 2019, um, when we we're getting into more of the VR and the augmented reality. And one of the things that Netflix CEO Reed Hastings had told his shareholders is he wasn't worried at all about um, Disney Plus or, you know, Amazon or any of the other big companies that are out there, Hulu, he, mm -hmm. he wasn't thinking that's what's going to try and take Netflix down. Oh. It wasn't cable television and movie theaters. To him, the threat was the gaming industry. Huh. Because it's so interactive, just like yeah. think about it, right? Yeah, that could be very like competitive towards that. Yeah. Very because, entertaining and different from, you know, just, you know, watching a just Netflix watching a movie, yeah. exactly. So you can be watching a movie, but you might be watching it on your phone. So you're holding it here, you're watching TV, but it's a very passive thing is when you just sit there. But when you're actually in a game, you sometimes you end up do moving around more, especially if it's the VR and the augmented reality. So people move around more. Mm -hmm. And that could be, you know, a big train, uh, a big trend in how that can impact is what I think will happen is there's going to be this merger between, you know, videos and movies and gaming where we can actually put ourselves into that movie and be a yeah. character in there. That's true. I could definitely picture that in the future. I think so. Mm -hmm. So then according oh to Matthew Ball, he was the former head of strategy at Amazon Studios. It used to be what you would watch, you know? And now it's whether are you going to watch because there's always going to be another game to play. Mm -hmm. So just how often are people choosing to reach a game controller instead of a TV remote? Sure. Well, in 2019, the gaming industry generated 120 billion in revenue hmm. in 2019. Wow. Gaming industry. That's and you have ton. to remember, that's like download apps. That's all kinds of consoles. It's whatever you can you can play. That's what that twenty um, that hundred and twenty million was. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Experts predicted that it would reach two hundred billion within two years. So they're saying by you know twenty nineteen, obviously twenty twenty, and then twenty twenty one. You know two hundred billion. I've actually seen estimates now that it's becoming. 394 billion. Wow. Four times. You know, that's like crazy to yeah. me. Almost four times. So um, it said that more than 100 million viewers 
tuned in to watch players compete in the world championship of the game called League of Le Legends. No way. People watching other people million. watch. Yeah. Watching people play games, watching That's people cool, play though. games. Yeah. Not like actually playing a real game. Like, you know, your Olympics where you're competing. Mm -hmm. No, you're just playing a game on a, you know, TV, if you will, <laughs> or a console. That's so funny. A larger hall than the telecast of the Super Bowl. That is what is unbelievable. Mm -hmm. So what um, even more than the Super Bowl viewers. Wow. Yeah. And so That's it's projected impressive. that 2.7 billion, about one third of the global population will be gamers. This mm. is obviously big business. Yes, clearly. <laughs> yeah. Do you play games now? Um, I don't. You don't play don't. any games on your phone. No solitaire, no nothing. No, I really don't. I'm not. I just, I don't know. I, I like listening to music to hold my oh, attention. Okay. I don't like playing games to pass time or, you know, just for fun. I just never, I just never liked it. I was not able well, to You will not attention. be one of those big, big statistics of the 2.7 billion people. <laughs> no. No, well, I believe that the gaming is going to move from virtual and augmented reality to holograms where it's going to be very interactive. Yeah. Where you're going to be able to see kind of like what uh, we talked on last week's show where um, you can feel like you're actually in the scene with somebody. Like you I could be, definitely. you know, home in Jupiter and I could be calling you instead of calling you and looking at it on the phone. It could be I call you and then boom, I'm right there with you. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's so, so funny, crazy. right? Yeah. So I think so. Think about. Mm -hmm. Okay, so that makes it more interactive because you're in, interacting with game characters um, that are also allowed to be played by another person, kind of like what you were saying with The Sims. Yes, except with like real people and everything. Mm -hmm. That's getting very, mm -hmm. very advanced. Yeah. So that sounds about. a lot more appealing. I think. I think it does at least. So, because there's more, it seems more human, I think. Mm -hmm. um, after that, the industry is expected to explode and it's not going to be looking back. And there will be a nostalgia that's in regard to old school games. So it's kind of like um, mm -hmm. you, we were talking about, you know, Angry Birds. Yeah. Like at some point in time, you know, 20 years from now, you know, 20 back. or 25. Oh yeah, remember the day we played uh, Angry Birds or Mario. <laughs> Yes, like all these times in history of like where everyone plays that game or, mm -hmm. you know, gets it. And so, and then it's like eventually those things come back, you know, the trends mm -hmm. can come back. Sometime. They do. Or they'll be improved, you know, or just a remake of something. Yeah, like it's kind of like how we've something. seen movies, right? Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. you can see some movie and, you know, I'm trying to think of one that's been, you know, remade many, many times. I'm sadly, I am empty of that right now. Mm. But there are movies and they go and do a, a, a remake of it and you go, oh, it's like Mary Poppins. Yeah. I did not like the second version of Mary Poppins. I like the original Mary Poppins. Oh, okay. Did you like, yeah. did you see those movies? Yes, I saw, I believe I've definitely seen the newer version of it. Did you like that one? I did. I liked the newer version, but I don't think I've seen the first version. So I, so I don't see, remember that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. So for you, what might be whenever they go and do a makeover, uh, a remake of that Mary Poppins for the third time, you're mm -hmm. going to go, no, I like the other one that I yeah. saw. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's for what sure. I think it's going to be. I know. But with games, 
Okay, so what does the future hold for the gaming industry? Well, artificial intelligence is coming into play with this. Mm -hmm. And it's no longer going to be the stuff of like science fiction. It's actually oh. lodged itself into the fa fabric of everyday lives. And so on the game team, mm -hmm. you know, we use um, Unreal Engine to program our, our game. And we talk about how we can make these characters do anything we want. And huh. part of it is uh, the AI, the artificial intelligence that's actually included in being able to make games more engaging and interactive. Wow. So we're gonna talk hmm. about that, you know, after this next little spotlight, but I just wanna finish this one little sentence here. So um, you, you just have to think about it where AI is seen in our everyday life. Mm -hmm. it's, it's just like when Gmail's um, smart compose, you know, you'd be over here typing and then it just starts taking the words and it's finishing your sentence for you. Right. Um, to self-driving cars, you know, they, they make these cars and they use AI so that it can actually sense things that are around it and also become, yeah. you know, more um, engaged with the human that's actually driving it really to pick up you know more of your preferences that's gonna be crazy the day that that we see you know all the cars driving themselves and humans don't have to well they're laying back the in the back of the cars yeah more than i will not do that <laughs> me neither yeah. I, it's like this is the human population is getting too lazy now with this. I it's think like so. i think we should still have to drive our own cars i don't like this yeah. driving cars it's just yeah. scary because it's like then you're really going to start to see like the technology take over completely. I think so. <laughs> it's going to turn into like one of those scary movies or something. <laughs> yeah, it's like, why are we even here? But right? it's very, it's a very cool innovation though. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So video games are not going to be an except, exception, but no. let's go back to the street and ask people our third question. Robin, what was our third question? It was, what do you think the future of gaming will be like in five years? It's so hard to think about that, yeah. but let's see what these people have to say. My dream is to be able to have Maya like open on a table in front of me so I can start modeling in 3D like Tony Stark in Iron Man. I've been so jealous for that ever since Iron Man 1. I'm like, I want that. I want that thing that he has. And then the thing I'm most excited about is actually right now how I'm using that technology to make the tools that we're building. Uh, we are building, uh, it's a plugin called Carbon for Unreal, and it's a real-time stage lighting visualizer for concerts, events, and uh, stuff like that. And I think what you're going to see in the next five years is going to be jump-in, jump-out kind of games where you, it's already happening now, but where you start a game, you immediately exit out, jump into another game within less than a second or two, and then back and forth without having to wait for load times. Future evolution will probably be like super immersive AR, VR gameplay style. Um, and then I think the next five years of the game industry is really gonna be about figuring out how do you get game technology into different markets. Um, virtual reality and augmented reality are gonna enable not just new entertainment experiences, but new experiences for education and healthcare and attractions and all sorts of avenues that Games are going to be a lot more than just sitting at a console. It's going to be everywhere that you you go. It's it's the whole online internet connected game where you realize that there's other people on this planet that are also playing this game, and you can play against them. Mm -hmm. I feel like that definitely moved the needle forward. And and you know it's a case of 
uh, we've gone through so many platform shifts, at least in my life, where, you know, hey, I, in the 80s, when I was born and I kind of grew up a little bit, it was, you know, computers were just coming out. So mm -hmm. just even being able to play a game was awesome. Then in the 90s, the internet came out. So now you could be connected and playing games. Mm -hmm. And then in the 2000s, you know, mobile phones and tablets started coming out. So like now there's more casual games and, you know, again, like more connectivity. Mm -hmm. And now moving into the 2020s, where there's now augmented reality and virtual reality, things are more immersive. And like, it's no longer, hey, you're playing this thing and you're seeing this character in front of you. You can literally be inside of the virtual video game world itself. So it's like- Oh my gosh, yeah. you know what just came to my mind is, okay, so COVID is uh, something that's made it so we were all distant from each other socially. Mm -hmm. We're definitely not demonstrating that right now. However, there's all of this distance and we live in a, live in a bubble. But with augmented reality, we can actually all be together. We can all be even together. Even with COVID. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I technically, maybe we can't be physically together with all the people uh, like at conferences or in classrooms or things like that as normally. But I mean, you could have a virtual room where somebody is from Europe, Asia, mm -hmm. North America, and they're all there in the same room and you know, maybe our senses would have this suspension of disbelief a little bit like that, like, okay, I am seeing that there's another person, forget that maybe they're a little bit cartoony, or there's an avatar of them or whatever, but I physically am feeling that there's a 3D person in front of me. Yeah. And that person is somebody that's maybe 1000s of miles away. And that feeling of being together, that's yeah, like, I think that they'd be able to do that with either the feeling of, um, some type of cold or heat or something. Yeah. I'm not sure. But I think some of that would end up being embedded in us to some extent. I think it's, you know, it, it, smell. Yeah. Know? You know, I don't know if any of the viewers out there watch Black Mirror. It's a show on Netflix that's like, looks at the dark side of technology. Yeah. Like where can technology go wrong? Uh, but it's a case of like more and more and more we're getting melded together with technology. We are. And, you know, we, I would say we're almost like cyborgs at this point because, you know, you think about like, hey, I'm wearing an Apple watch and I'm going to have, you know, Apple AR glasses and I'm going to have my cell phone with me. Oh, eventually yeah. they'll be embedded, I think, into our eye or into our brain or into our ears. It's all going to be something that's in the... I mean, Apple pods, right? Like so popular now, like you can hear things and you don't have to have your phone next to you. And yeah, you're, you're right there. I, I know this, that people are working on like augmented reality contact lenses. So in a, in a sense, like we are all going to have the superpowers, I guess, of Batman and Robocop, you know, that was really just fictional characters. We, we will have, without being bulletproof, we, we will pre basically have all their mm -hmm. abilities. Mm -hmm. um, and, and that's kind of crazy to think. And yeah. and yeah, we will enter into this place where we we are half in the virtual world and half in the physical world and uh it's going to be super entertaining super scary super useful uh all at the same time i could not agree with you more one of the things that i was thinking is you know i go i love star trek i think you either love star star wars or star trek i like them both i like them both yeah so. I, I don't have you know one over uh, one over the other mm -hmm. but with star trek you know how they would teleport yeah and I love that. 
do you think that that's going to be happening anytime soon? Because I, mm -hmm. I actually think it will. I think it will. I think that they've been experimenting. They've been blowing up the zucchini or the watermelons or whatever. They start with that to see if they can move it from one place to the other. But yeah. I think it's actually going to take so off. So I think there's going to be two different ways uh, to do this. Uh, you know, I think there's the true life of, you know, using every bit of our knowledge of physics to actually transport molecules from one place to another. Mm -hmm. I think eventually we will get there. It sounds crazy, but I, you know, just like you, like, yeah, I think, I think it's going to happen. And, and Star Trek is a, is a great indicator of the future. When you think about what existed in the sixties and seventies and, and, you know, then the night. Think eight. how progressive they were at that time. You know, Star Trek communicators. What is that? That's cell phones. Yeah. You know, what, like, think about like all the different, uh, you know, toys and tools that you saw in Star Trek, almost all of them exist today. Yeah, not um, teleporting yet. Not teleporting that could yet. be the tube, you know, where they put you in the tube and then you go, I, I think I've read about this too, or somebody told me about it actually, where you would go from Orlando to Miami, you could be there in like, what, 10 minutes? Yeah. Because you're putting yourself in some type of a giant vacuum tube and I'm going, that sounds terrifying to yeah. me. Yeah, it, and, and but you know, like that tech existed with with like uh the drive-through bank tellers right like the little that thing and i do think that in terms of teleportation maybe it's a case of virtual teleportation uh so in star trek there was something called the holodeck yeah where you would go into it and you would have a simulation a 3d simulation happen around you so you could kind of like go through the motions of that mm -hmm. so that i believe is going to happen we're we're almost kind of there with mm -hmm. ar and vr and then in terms of teleportation, you know, think of it this way. There's a meeting or something like that happening in London. And they have uh, sensors. Maybe it's like laser, LIDAR-based, you know, 3D sensors that are placed in the room. So just like today, we have maybe a camera in front of us for a Zoom call. Imagine that there's 3D sensors all around you know, somewhere in the crown molding of the room. Okay. And the same thing exists in your home office here in, in Orlando or in New York or wherever. And so all of a sudden you have these two sets of sensors in two different rooms that are all scanning everything in 3D. And all of a sudden, you know, you are 3D transported over to, you know, the, the meeting in London and the London people are transported to your room right here in Orlando. And it's, 3D and it feels like you're there and they're there over here. That is going to be next level zoom, I guess, you know, mm -hmm. but, but I see that happening and that's like a virtual form of teleportation. Uh, and I see that happening all over the place. Um, you know, it's, it's almost like, you know, it, there'll be a better version of like in star Wars to now hop over to that universe, like the whole, like, help me Obi-Wan, like the mm -hmm. little blue hologram that you saw there. I think that's there's going to be that version, but even higher quality and better. Oh yeah, you know. Oh yeah, I agree. So I, I you know, that that part of teleportation will be here now. Um, real physical based teleportation, maybe another couple hundred years. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I'm, I I could be wrong. I yeah, a you know. hundred years. I sit here and I think I don't know everything. I, I'll wake up in the morning and go, oh look. There's a new update on some social channel. Oh, they just changed this on YouTube, you know, and I'm sitting here going, what just happened? And you're trying to navigate the dashboard and, and figure out some of those, those intricacies of using the platform. 
but then there's also other things that you know I get a lot of emails and it say oh well start looking for this and we do have augmented reality here and you could do it that that again is one of the reasons why I love going to ITSEC because mm-hmm. you get to see the the latest stuff that's out there yeah you know the thing is like uh this is something I heard a while back I don't even remember who told me this but I I definitely like you know say it uh, wherever I can it's that the future is already here it's just not widely distributed that is true and places like itsec is where you can see a bit of the future it's just not there readily accessible to everybody yeah so they had this one uh last year one experience so that i would be able to know what it was like to be inside of the helicopter so i step onto their platform and it's already vibrating, like, you know, the engine of a helicopter. Mm-hmm. And I'm going, holy cow, you can feel that. And then there's this giant movie screen that's like all around me. And the, the it starts, you know, the movie, I'll call it a movie, but the video, whatever it is, mm-hmm. it starts. And then when it's beginning to like the helicopters moving around like this, I'm going, holy cow, I'm like moving. And I wasn't even paying attention to the fact that it was it was really feeling very immersive. Mm-hmm. And then there was some wind that was blowing on me also. So yeah. they made it very experiential. Yeah. You know, we, you know, there's a scientific way to look at like how we behave. Yeah. And there's the, you know, thinking of it almost like as like magical of, uh, you know, we are animals and we response to stimuli, you know, we have a response to stimuli. And if enough of our senses are touched on our brain no matter how much we know that this is not real, we'll begin to just say, hey, I'm there. I, I, this is what I'm experiencing. And when you can do that, um, you just kind of forget. It's just like in video games, right? Like you know that this is not real, but you can get lost. Just like you can get lost in a book, mm-hmm. you can get lost in a great movie, um, you can get lost in a video game and you can envision that you are that hero or that you know heroine mm-hmm. um, and you are fighting this dragon or you are saving the day or you're working in a team, you're going through these dungeons, whatever, like you can get lost in that game. Well, imagine if it just got more immersive than that. Like there's no reason why we couldn't get like lost in good ways and bad ways in VR and AR. And that means that we're just going to entertain ourselves and learn things and, and educate ourselves more immersively. And that's mm-hmm. where it's all headed is, is we're, we're going to, we're going to merge into this virtual world. So that was very interesting. And there was such a diversity of, of people and what they thought what the future would look like. So right. <clears throat> I did the research on this side of it, but let's go ahead and see where everything begins to intersect. Mm-hmm. So as I was mentioning, AI has been expressed in the gaming industry for decades. Mm-hmm. Uh, most prominently in non-playing characters. They call them NPCs. So in our intern pursuit game, we have NPCs, non-playable characters, but they still move around. They can walk around. They don't necessarily talk, mm. but they aren't action characters. Some of them can talk, but they aren't necessarily action characters that are actually uh, fighting the aliens. Okay. They're in the headquarters. So it would be like you and I being in the office at the intern pursuit headquarters. Uh-huh. And we might be non-playable characters, but you know, we're still moving around the office. They mm-hmm. don't just sit at a desk mm-hmm. is the point that I'm saying there. Right. Anyway, um, <coughs> excuse me. Uh, the most prominent, oh, sorry. 
So it's like the colorful ghost in Pac-Man or the innocent bystanders in Grand Theft Auto. Mm -hmm. I did play Pac-Man. I know what that one is, but I have not played Grand Theft Auto. Did you? Um, I've, I believe I did play that one somewhat. You know what? Those are the games that I actually enjoy playing the most were like the um, action and adventure type games, like the, like the Grand Theft Auto was obviously it's like more of like bad conduct You're type stealing. stuff. Yeah. You're stealing stuff. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like, you know, it's not real. So it's fine to do that in a video game. But that was the stuff that was those were the games that I found me the most fun to play. Or mm. other games like like you mentioned, did I ever there were some apps that I would have on my phone, like games where it was like similar to Grand Theft Auto, like stealing cars or running away from mm. other people. Oh, really? <laughs> that was fun to me. I was um like a younger teenager, probably like 16 or something like that. Yeah. Like that, well, that sounds like what somebody would yeah. do. Yeah, mm -hmm. I agree. So anyway, the let, let me see where I was, where I ha have left off. So characters mm -hmm. like these are typically programmed with what designers call a finite state machine. In the plainest possible terms, this means that the NPC follows a script or an if-then statement. If the game is on, then chase Pac-Man. The ghost, the script might say, and if Pac-Man eats a power pellet, then run away from him. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the things that you actually see is that, you know, the programmers are thinking through, well, what would the um, player, the, the game player, what would they like to see happen? So that there's, you know, an if then. If, you know, I pull out my weapon to go and kill one of my aliens, maybe the alien starts running towards me. Yeah. What's my reaction? Right. And then what if the alien runs away? What's my reaction? So that's mm -hmm. that's what they're really talking about. There. Okay, yeah. <clears throat> so in, in recent years, game makers have taken a more sophisticated approach to NPCs. For example, some are now programmed with a behavior tree. And what that means, it enables them to, to perform more complex decision-making, such as, you know, the talking that we were talking about earlier, where you hmm. know, there's more of a... Hmm, Robin, what do you think about this muffin? You know, and then yeah. you can actually say, yes, I like the muffin or no, I don't like the muffin. Okay. Yeah. Decision making. Small things. Right. Not anything that's going to change anything. Mm -hmm. So <clears throat> one of the things that we have in our game is uh, our characters, our, our interns go through a portal and they turn into a superhero that fights alien. Well, mm -hmm. you can decide if you want them to go through that portal and then have a different type of an experience, or they might go away from the portal and you know do something different. Huh. So okay. you know different approaches, but it's yeah. it's it's fun. Mm -hmm. it makes so, it more interesting. So this is one of the quotes that I had uh, pulled out, and um, it has said that. The, the author had said that they could see a future within 10 years where it's going to be a thoroughly mixed reality headsets or looking at AR through our phones. Hmm. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So augmented reality that, yeah. right through our phones. We'll have the concept of, oh, I hang out occasionally with this non-playable character who remembers me and who I have a conversation with. So instead of talking to a person, mm -hmm. I'm sitting here confiding in a non-playable character yeah that and i don't think i think that's now actually because this phone we already know that the phone can collect all of our oh, conversations yeah. right it's listening yeah so how is it going to be any different than instead of you know 
feeling like we're being spied on. Mm -hmm. We would be talking to a non-playable character. Well, how is that going to change how we interact with people? Yeah, it's going to drastically change it. I think for the worst, like people are start losing, you know, social skills, especially like the younger generations. Mm -hmm. But what the programmer is supposed to do is to begin to make predictions on, well, if you're crying, oh, don't cry. You know, they would say something like that. Okay. Yeah. So there's Mm -hmm. that. And then there's AI and content generation. Artificial intelligence isn't just part of the gameplay experience. It's part of um, the game making experience now. Mm-hmm. And for several years, designers have been using AI to help them create games. AI can create game assets like trees or buildings. And the designers get it, don't have to have all of these you know, drawings and, and work that takes you know, so much time. Um, right. It actually can make it happen so much faster for them now. Mm-hmm. So they can offload, offload work into the computer. And by using just a simple technique called content generation, it actually replicates it and makes it bigger. And they wow. are they're doing that in software development too, where they're building code blocks and you don't even have to know how to code. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> so you're able to say, hmm, I want, I want it to, I want my software platform to make it possible to uh, create multiple responses. So Mm -hmm. they can do that. They can build that. Now they have the ability. So then there's AI and analytics. And that's, you know, AI may not yet be up to the task of creating entire high quality games from scratch, but it can certainly provide valuable feedback to the games designers you can then fine tune the creations to fly. And that's really common. Mm -hmm. So the quote that comes up again is, um, this one's by Ken Ken Dacre, said games are are so much about what actually creates a compelling experience that people will keep coming back to it. It's basically what AI is in service of. So Mm -hmm. I think that's really significant because what game developers are doing is, not only are they paying, to me, it's like uh, watching a human behavior mm-hmm. and you're, you're sitting here going, okay, I want, I want the person to go left, but to make them go left, I have to put something in front of them. Yeah. You know, it could be an alien. It could be a block. It could be a tree. Right. It could be an avalanche that falls down. But every time I interact with one of my games, I choose something that's either right, left, or center. And, mm-hmm. you know, it begins to know my my mannerisms and my preferences Uh and then it begins to make it so it's predictable as to what it is that i'm going to okay i think it's it's terrifying yeah (laughs) it's spooky it is so um big companies like facebook google microsoft and sony they're investing heavily in the virtual reality gaming industry Mm. and so then for decades virtual reality has been teasing you know, gamers with the prospect of a fully immersive experience, but the technology has yet to deliver on that promise. So when it comes to VR, like I said earlier, we have these big clunky type of, you know, contraptions we have to wear on our head, but there was also um, Google, it was like cardboard, 
you know, and it was like you could put it on your phone. It was a way to make virtual reality. Google goggles, I think. Oh, right. Yeah. I think that's I've what heard it was. Google goggles. I've heard of that. Yeah. And so yeah. I could actually put that on my phone and I could see something without having to wear the headset. Okay. That, that was fun. <clears throat> so there are promising developments on the horizon, but you know, first, a few challenges still need to be addressed. So what's holding them back is, again, it's going back to the VR headset. It's pretty heavy and, you know, nobody wants to be wearing that for a long period of time. And it's not comfortable because it's got a lot of things that you got to strap on, you know, around your head. Mm -hmm. And then um, you get sweaty and, you know, it's just like, eh, I'm tired of it. I like living in COVID. Yeah. So <laughs> the totally. experience chafes against that mode of playing, which is typical of gaming enthusiasts, spending hours comfortably sunk into a couch, mm -hmm. whereas, you know, VR hardware can't align with the actual preferences of the gamers. You know, it's, it's causing them to stand up and move around, which personally, I think is a good thing. People mm -hmm. need some exercise. Yeah, I know, right? Most people do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which was the advantage of the Wii game. You know, people yeah. are exercising. Exercising while doing virtual sports. I know. Basically. They still need that. Uh -huh. So companies slim down the VR headsets and the price points come down. You know, now it's going to save early adopters and tech enthusiasts. They're they're going to you know, probably like it. Mm -hmm. But some will say no, they don't like it. I think the future of the VR is more through social VR. And that's different because... When you think about what virtual reality is, it's very solitary. Mm -hmm. You put, uh, you know, the goggles on your head and then you're interacting with things that you see, but you really are not interacting with another person. With others, yeah. Like, yeah, definitely. It's your own experience, not mm -hmm. necessarily with others. I'm sure exactly. it will emerge into the so you can interact with others eventually. And so that's what they're calling social VR, social okay, yeah. virtual reality. And it's supposed to be not just the solitary side of it, but interacting with other people. So company companies are busy making VR more consumer friendly. And it's only a matter of time before the weight and the price of the headset goes down. But even those um, hurdles are still there. They still need to make it so it's not so isolating. It's actually a way to interact with others. Mm -hmm. I think it goes back to the holograms though, that I was talking about. Yeah, right. Yeah. So hyper-reality, there's that's the next thing that's up here. Um, we have to understand what social VR is. It only needs to look at the one void, a company that is specializing in hyper-real experiences or location-based entertainment, LBE mm -hmm. is the acronym. And it blends it together into virtual reality and physical reality. And this is how it works. Players gather in a physical space, and like the inside of a warehouse or strap-on helmets and computers that double as backpacks, they proceed oh. to participate at a virtual activity together. Interesting. You know, I'm thinking it's like Jumanji. Yeah, right? It sounds like... That's what I think. Mm -hmm. So anyway, they get together. It's an activity and it's a mission. And But unlike the typical VR experience where everything takes place inside the goggles, hyper-reality game players will notice that they see in their headsets what they see actually corresponds to the physical space in the room. Hmm. Well, that's good. Yeah, it would have to. So they're seeing certain things in the 
that are in the room or no, it's just according to mm -hmm. the spaces. So here's the example. Mm -hmm. So they can run around and play, you know, duck, 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 goose, and then just oh. like run around. And in some cases, okay. they can even reach for a virtual object and feel it huh. in the form of a strategically placed physical prop. Okay. So if I'm in there and I want to go and see if I can touch, let's say, um, a tree, yeah. right? There's going to be something that's in the room because I've walked over to that space and I'm touching it. So mm -hmm. now it becomes that more hyper real experience. Yeah, very interesting. So mm -hmm. I think that for a lot, I, I, to me, it's like putting blinders on, right? Yeah. Except, you know, you're, you're seeing with blinders, you put it on and you see in your head. But with the virtual reality, you're seeing what you think is in the room, mm -hmm. but there's some things that are in there just to make, it would be like our green room, right? Yeah. And right now we're in a green room mm -hmm. and we have our, our background on it, but mm -hmm. that's not what's real, right? You right. know that, we're mm -hmm. really not in here. So it's something, I'm gonna use that as a very small example. Mm -hmm. Anyway, I think that for a lot of people, it's going to be their first exposure to VR and it'll be like things um, like a theme park, you know, what it's like to go on a, a roller coaster or be on a Ferris wheel, which is terrifying. <laughs> my brothers would shake it. So, oh my, yeah, that, no, that's terrifying. Yeah. I don't yeah, ever no. want to, I don't want to do that in a virtual reality experience. Oh God, no. Because what if it goes upside down? <laughs> oh no. <laughs> but you know, they're not necessarily going to go and follow that up and start putting headsets on in their homes. <laughs> so we are at the end of our show, but I know I want to give a special shout out here. Thank mm -hmm. you, Robin, to our production team. Yeah. You've been here. You've been mm -hmm. like manning the show with me. Mm -hmm. Thank you to Ian Castro, our video and, and um, audio uh, expert. He is now no longer an intern. He actually has graduated Starting. past that. He is video production mm -hmm. to Ian Castro, who's graduating. And then to Ashley Gonzalez, who's just joined us as an intern. She's going to be yes. taking over some of the uh, editing of the shows coming up here. Mm -hmm. Well, anyway, everybody, we want to thank you, our listeners, and we look forward to seeing you again very soon. Take care. Yes, oh, and subscribe. Subscribe of to course. us. Mm -hmm. Intern Whisperer is brought to you by Cat5 Studios, who help you create games and videos for your training and marketing needs that are out of this world. Visit Cat5 Studios for more information to learn how Cat5 Studios can help your business. Thank you, Cat5 Studios.